What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with Skip Hill, S2H, and our uh, our guest coach that's with us today, Andrew Barry. Uh, all of our programming is brought to you by TrueNutrition.com. You could use our code ADVICES for some additional savings, high-quality supplements, stuff like um, PeriMD. Is that what it's called? Yeah, PeriMD. That's the Mountain Dog product that I use from True Nutrition. My brain link just stopped working there for that's a minute. That's what it's called. Yeah, Perry MD. I was getting them all confused. There's like a bunch of different stuff. Anyway. Yeah, there's like a Team Skip blend too. Uh, I use Team Skip. I just bought seven pounds sure of Team Skip. That one. Did you? I all did. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh, we're going to talk a bunch of bodybuilding stuff today, of course, as always. Um, first of all, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you, everybody who's watching this live from the Advices Radio and Think Big Bodybuilding Media Facebook group. Feel free to post up any questions you have. Anybody who's watching this on the recorded YouTube version, uh, all your comments, likes, all that stuff that helps to boost us up in the algorithm. You can also post questions for the following show. We'll tackle that. I think we have a couple of those from last week. We were going to uh, talk today about uh you know we're all coaches and we're some of us have been coaching for 20 years skip <clears throat> and uh we we're, we're still learning though you know we're still learning and evolving and you have to continue learning and evolving to continue growing and progressing so we're gonna i wanted to ask the guys today you know what are some of the new things that they've been learning in the gym in the past couple of years uh we're gonna get to all your listener questions but first we had an experiment yeah are you guys ready for this? Good. You can't take a small whiff. You can't be like my wife hitting a bong. You got to be like, you got to pull. <laughs> you got to pull on that when you try it. Both nostrils, too. Yeah, exactly. I'm ready to take over. Yes. <laughs> Scott was like, earlier today, he texted me. He was like, hey, guys, if... Uh, if you, you, like after you can't continue hosting the show, I'll take over for the next 15 minutes. <laughs> so get ready for that. Well, we got a, a holo from Serbia. How about that? Nice. We're freaking in Serbia right now. That's badass. And hello from the UK. And we've got Tanya Miller. What's up, Tanya? How you doing? She it's, set her alarm to make sure that she didn't miss the show this time. It's okay, actually, Tanya. it's Tanya, but I, I just like giving her shit because I mispronounced it and now I'm just running with it. Um, <laughs> do we start? Do we just, do I just? I think you need to it, dive man. in. Go for it. Get you ready for the show. Here's the thing. So I've never, we were talking about ammonia caps. I've never done ammonia caps before. And I, I got to thinking about it. I was like, man, I want to try that. And then it, the the next rational thought was, well, why don't I do it live on the podcast? You know, not in the gym, right? Have you, have each one of you guys done ammonia caps? Oh, yeah. I did once. Not yeah. the cap. Now, when you unscrew the, the it's in a bottle, power. right? Yeah. No, these are different. These are the, the legit. This is like a box of 10. Let me see what I got here. And this is an ammonia cap. And it's like a cardboard thing, and you got to crack it. And they carry these like in um, ambulances. Paramedics. Yeah, paramedics carry them. Yeah. If you yeah. pass out or you know, you're feeling lightheaded. What is yeah. it like, Andrew? Like, how would you describe this uh, experience? It makes your nasal passage in your brain very unhappy. Like, exactly. Okay. Like it just like it goes like right to the root of your brain. Yeah. And it just like 
you're like, give me something to like hit or to, you know, to kick or to lift mm-hmm. basically. So. It's, I hear it, it triggers your fight or flight. So yeah, it, you're it, it, either, you ramped up and you're your sympathetic nervous system. So it takes it from like here to like there really quickly. Hmm. Uh, there are some like studies that show it's actually not the best thing to do because to, to really like initiate your sympathetic before you actually do the lift. Um, yeah. Have you guys seen that stuff? No, um, I haven't, but I can believe it. Yeah, like the idea is that like you would actually rather be like at a like a calm, normal level, and then pick your sympathetic up during the actual lift versus mm-hmm. shooting your wad and then trying to like do it afterwards. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, but, it'll impact your blood glucose levels as well. I would imagine. Now, I don't know if it's going to impact them so quickly. It probably should. I mean, epinephrine is going to. Oh wipe your shit out real fast. I mean, you know how it goes. You you get into a situation or something becomes stressful real quick. You almost get in a car accident. You feel like dog shit about a minute after it happens because your blood sugar just goes in the toilet. And, you know, you're just, you know. you're that response, that fight or flight is just, you know, you're, you're amped from yeah. a, from yeah, a adrenaline, did adrenaline dump. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So you've done them. Skins. I don't, I've done them, but you, we would take the, this has been a long time. This is how it wasn't very good. And I said, I did not fucking need that. You would unscrew the cap. Like you would kind of like shake it up. Like, so maybe it was like salts inside. You would shake it oh, and you would hold it to your nose. And, and it would, it, I, I mean, just, yeah. What's that? Nose torque. That was nose the name torque. of the product. It may well yeah. have been. I don't know. Yeah. But I tell you, I had a training card at that time. Methanol, when you used it. Yeah, exactly. Methanol. Yeah, and I saw him use it, so I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I got to get in. It was Mark Hoffman. I've talked about this guy before from Michigan. So I'm like, he's huh. he's a fucking monster. He's hardcore. Don't give me that shit. Oh, my God, what the fuck is that? And it burned. It, like, yeah. burned, like, horribly bad. Like, damn. I've got and sinus issues, too. Right. Yeah, well, good luck. Well, like, clear your sinuses right up. Yeah, either that or I, can't, <laughs> I will breathe for the rest of the night, one of the two. Yeah, yeah, okay. S2H, you, you've used these? Yeah, I, I I used to use them lifting, but I don't like them because they make me sneeze. Yeah, so yeah, there's nothing worse than being like like pressing your lift out and you have sneeze. But yeah, I mean, some guys I think in powerlifting side, some guys like them. Huh. It's either one of those you really like them or you really don't. Okay, you know, yeah, I think I, there's I, a I psychological mean, effect there too. I mean, if you're used yeah. to using them and that's how you get amped up, you yeah, know, you hit yourself in the face, you do whatever it is you do, you have your routine, and you know if a study comes out and says, well, this isn't as you know, as good as we thought. Yeah, I don't think anybody who's been using them, you know, quite con- consistently or religiously is going to go, yeah, fuck my routine. They and just Andrew, continue to do them. Andrew, you're a strong dude. Um, I mean, I, I know you've squatted some decent weight. Is this something you've done on a regular basis or? Uh, no, it was like, yeah. if like one of your buddies has one in his bag, I'm like, oh, give me one of those. Like, I want to <laughs> go a little extra today or whatever you want to call it. Okay. But I, I was saying earlier, like during the whole COVID thing, my gym was using straight ammonia to uh, clean a lot of the equipment. You're so kidding. I would just carry the big, oh yeah. I would just carry these squirt bottles with straight ammonia <laughs> in there. You know, I get on a hack squad and I'm like, all right, let's bring it back to like high school days. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah that's, just a, that's just a high concentration of ammonia gas yeah. instead of the, yeah. the carbonate. It's not the same. Gas. It's not the same thing as a salt. No. Okay. So here's the thing. I feel like if, so I'm looking at my gym as we talk, if I was in the gym right now and I had that music fucking cranked and I was like amped, I feel like that would be one thing. But I'm just like relaxed, I'm 
talking to my friends. Just do it. We're do talking it. some bodybuilding, and I'm like, fuck, I don't want to do yeah. this shit now. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have a choice. All right. Yeah, I would just pressure. do it, man. Just rip it. All right, here we go. Right when you're done, your when you're done, just pass it to me. Pass it through the corner, like so, the top <laughs> corner right here. So we got this. I'll, it's a it's a ten pack, is what I got here. I looked at the nose torque, the with the screw on cap and all that. But I thought, like, if I'm gonna do this, I want to like I want to do the real deal. You know what I mean? Fuck, I'm actually Sound. nervous okay. now. <laughs> I'm actually fucking nervous now. All right, breathe out for you. Suck in. <sighs> <laughs> if i was training it wouldn't be a big thing if i was training it wouldn't be a big thing but like because we built it up now i'm actually kind of feeling like well and if you were training you wouldn't pull once you'd pull a couple times you got to be psycho oh, yeah. yeah my heart's actually like my heart's oh, yeah. like racing right now i'm not kidding <laughs> man usually like the second or third pull that really is a strong one you exactly go, you go, like that yep. right yeah, like, yeah. like oh, let me test the water my foot in the water first. Okay, I can handle that. I some water. I would just rip it Yeah. Okay. Here we go. No. Yeah, man. In. Come on. Come on. Welcome <laughs> 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 <You got, laughs> to the blood, sweat, and here. I'm your host today. <laughs> I was surprised actually. The first three, like you didn't even show any facial, like yeah, like nah, you must have a tolerance or something. I don't think yeah. he, I don't think he got it that good the first. Oh first no, time. I got it. Last time he got the, it. The last one you got, you could see it. Like your eyes got red. She's <laughs> like an animal. <laughs> <now. laughs> Shit's all over my hands now. Look at that too. Keep when the, it cracks, the fibula out. It definitely, it definitely like made me more on. Yeah. Well, your face it, is red, so there's a star. Your look at my eyes. Yeah, I feel like if we were training right now, I'd be ready. But it didn't, it wasn't what, it wasn't like the fucking punch in the face that I expected. Like, I expected it to be so, like, painful that it would be like getting punched in the face. You know, that like it's just, no. boom, like getting hit by a car feeling. No. Well, that's how I remember it. Whew. So I don't know. Maybe just cup your hand and let that get. Rid of it. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you'll be blowing your nose the whole show this time. Yeah, you will. Yeah, I expected that to be a lot worse. You maybe had some weak ones. You know, they do lose. How old are they? Because they do lose potency. I've snapped them before, where you're like. Oh, there's nothing left in this one. Like it's it's expired. Well, it's brand. Yeah, they're they're brand new. I just I, mean, I just picked them up. It's a brand new box. Okay. Yeah, yeah they expired I mean, two thousand and twenty four. Yeah. I think you know what, man. My nasal passages are so messed up. I think that like that's like that maybe because I felt it. But I was like, oh, yeah, back in my drug days, I snorted shit that burnt more than this. Oh, well, then maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Maybe you had just very, very scarred nasal passages. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Whew. That could play a part. I definitely yeah, I feel say, I was going to say, Scott, it's like it's like smashing a pill and snorting that you're not supposed to snort. Yeah, yeah. But I, I've heard from other people Wait, that happens. You know? are there pills that you are supposed to snort? <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia had an article on it that said you could. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, I, now that that's out of the way, uh, let's get on with this podcast. Talk some bodybuilding stuff. I don't know. By the way, I'll have to think about it. I might try this again, but only when I'm gonna do like my my biggest lift, and if I really felt like I needed it. But it really, I feel like a cattle prod might be. 
that's what I want. I want. I expected like to get hit by a cattle prod, basically. Like you know, I don't know. Sorry to disappoint, guys. I I was I was ready to go wherever it took me, but anticlimactic. I know, right? For effort. Uh, for effort. Yeah, I am exactly. feeling on though. So topic wise, um, you know, we were talking a little <laughs> bit before the show. I feel like the last year or so myself, I, I looked at my back progress. And I knew that there were some things that I needed to change. People who follow our podcasts, they've probably, uh, you know, heard me talk on the other shows about some of the variations that I've been making. I mean, man, I've been doing this for a long time, you know, and I trained with Shelby Starnes, fantastic pro, known for his intensity for like five years straight. Yet my back didn't grow the way I wanted it to. And now if I want my back to grow, is it going to happen if I continue doing what I've always done, you know? So it's tough to change, I guess, and especially when you've been doing this for a long time. But we had the chance to talk to Andrew here. We've got S2H and Skip, tons of uh, you know real-world experience over the years. I wanted to pick your guys' brains on what are some of the changes that you guys have made. I figured maybe we go to Andrew first since he's our guest. Uh, I think um, I think an easy change that you know when you're a young guy you're just trying to get strong, right? And you're trying to just put more weight on the bar. And I think there's a point where you cross over where you're in that older guy group where you're trying to make exercises harder without actually adding weight on the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like for example, you know, like today I did my, I did a leg workout and I squatted and I don't do regular barbell back squats anymore just cause my, I just can't do them anymore. The shoulders are messed up and then I, I lead to injuries in my hips and whatever. So I was doing, did anyone ever see that video that uh, Dante did with Dusty? Um, where he was squatting in that rack using the safety squat bar just recently. Yes. yes. It was like, like back, back to school with Dante. So I started doing those recently, and they felt great on my back. Um, but anyway, the point was I incorporated his uh, five-second hold in the hole. Mm. Um, so, and that's something I do a lot now with, like, different exercises is either, you know, hold the stretch position for, like, three to five seconds or, um, you know, f- find a way to make the exercise harder versus easier you know when you're when you're a high school kid or a college kid or you're early in your career you know you let's say you're bench pressing you might get a little loose with the form and bounce it off your chest just to get that 275 up to 315 up to three whatever you know and then as you get older you realize hey i'm kind of fragile and i can get hurt and once you've had i'm sure all of us have had major injuries at some point um you know you start realizing hey like i can't just keep throwing weight on the bar at, to the detriment of my joints and and, and tissue so mm-hmm. you find ways to make the exercises harder to, and i think that's one thing you can do to progress um yeah yeah but so yeah I, I think i've done that kind of stuff skip well and i think just to piggyback off of what he's saying because i completely agree i've spoken about this quite a bit because i don't adhere to the uh, typical progressive overload, you know, you absolutely must get more weight on the bar to grow, which is not to say that you can't grow that way. I'm just saying that over time, like Andrew was saying, you know, these things can add up and we're also generating more intensity than we were when we first started, when we were moving bigger weights. I mean, I can even look at some of my training. I've said before, you know, my arms are significantly larger than they were before yet. I am not stronger and moving more weight than I was 10, 12, maybe even 15 years ago when it comes to my arms. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to tweak there. When it comes to back training, I'm always a believer and 
I have to be because I was born with pretty much shitty everything except maybe calves and in good shape to my quads. Everything else I've had to really fight for. So when it comes to back, I've, I've never had a very wide back. So to be able to add size, I've had to come up with things and experiment and try different things. And one of the things that has worked so well for me is, and, and in hindsight, I can see it. If I... Back in the days when I first started, I wasn't getting retraction as much as I needed to. And that has really impacted over the last, I don't even know, seven, eight years or so, my progress with my back. And to do that, it's just basically, I mean, retraction basically just meaning in the top position, especially for a row or something like that, that your shoulder blades or your scapula are coming in together. You can... You, you won't know if you're not doing it if you don't know what to look for. You can even take a video and you may not see it unless you just literally didn't have a shirt on. So anything from the back like that can sometimes be something that is easily missed. And then you go, like you said, Scott, four or five years and you're hitting your back and you're thinking, gosh, you know, I'm not getting much growth. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking I needed to do things like, you know, lat pulls and, and pull downs and things like that to widen my back. But if my scapula aren't going to come apart genetically very far – I made a shift and thought, you know what? Dusty has a pretty wide fucking back. And I think we can all agree. I don't see the motherfucker do a lot of chins, but I see him rowing like he's pulling trains. So to think and to get into that, that it's almost a misnomer to think that rowing will not make your back wider as an Hmm. example over time. The muscle will get, I mean, your back will get wider. I'm not going to say that the lat pull and, and chins and things like that aren't important for width. All I'm saying is there are some things with back training that are still accepted today that are basically misnomers. They're, they're not as black and white as you, you may think. So when you get into something as complicated as training back because there's so many muscles involved, if you're just moving the weight, you could potentially, especially if you're not genetically predisposed to have a good back, you could end up really struggling with your back development. So those types of things are important. And I, I would put retraction, maybe not even at the top of the list, but off the top of my head, I find it to be one of the more important things because I benefited tremendously from that. And I had a below average, um, you know, predisposition to have a, have a good back. I still don't have a good back, but I have a better back than I did before. Yeah, I'll say that... Uh... I just I saw a video. I think of those time training with Shelby because I saw you know, I, sh- I would shoot video all the time and share it on social media and stuff. And uh, we had a back workout that just popped up from like 2016, 2017. And I watched it. I could look at my form and I could pick out a bunch of stuff that was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I should have been doing I shouldn't have been doing that. You know, for instance, um, I wasn't getting enough stretch. I wasn't you know what I was doing? I was not making it as hard as I possibly could. I was trying to save myself. So instead of getting that like that full stretch where the lats really pull, I'd stop shy, you know? And I see people do that in the gym all the time because if you were to go that extra three inches, it would make that a lot harder. You might not be able to pull as much weight as you were, you know? Right. We're and making it, the muscle in the weakest position at that point, right? When you're starting, mm-hmm. when you're going from that full stretch, now the muscle's in its weakest position. So now you really, really have to drive. Versus yeah. staying here, you feel in a stronger position. Yeah. Right. And it's something like I wasn't even, it's not like I was intentionally doing that, you know. But even though I was training as hard as I could, even though that I would be sore after that workout, there was more I could have gotten out of it. And, you know, who knows what else I was using to, you know, biceps or whatever else to to move that weight. So, 
yes yeah, it's, it's it's interesting man because you think you know because training something that I, f- I feel like everybody feels like they know what they're doing you know i've had a lot of people that come to me for help and they want to talk all about nutrition they want to talk all about the drugs but then like the training they're like nah, i got the training i've been training for a long time <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and it's like i guess the point is is that you've got four people here who have made bodybuilding basically their entire life and we're still learning you know i guess yeah i mean i think a couple things from the mental side is most people are their own worst critic so if you don't think a muscle's growing maybe get somebody that's you know got a good eye and maybe get an opinion uh the other one is i don't like to train with other people but sometimes if you look around the gym and there's somebody that's you know, got a good physique or good body part you're looking to build. Maybe they're doing an exercise you just forgot about. I think we've all been there. We've gone, damn, I used to do that 15 years ago. And you just forgot about that lift. You know, maybe it's something you want to try. And I just say overall motivation. What I used to do is switch gyms. Yeah. So if I was really not motivated after three, four five years somewhere, I would just go somewhere else. Maybe new equipment, new atmosphere, you know, new crowd, whatever. You know, that helps sometimes. Well, when it comes to back training, it's nice these days, too, because if you go back 15, 20 years, I know you guys aren't as old as I am, but if you go back that far, you know, we didn't have prior to hammer strength, you're pretty limited with the angles. And then something like hammer strength comes along, these lever machines, and now you're hitting angles and doing things where you weren't able to think about a dumbbell row then versus now. I mean, it was day and night, and it's, it's good to see people still using, you know, the old school dumbbell row but with hammer strength angles i mean there's just so many sometimes i'll go to a gym a new gym and i'll be like oh my god i haven't used that piece and i don't know how long and it's just an awesome piece and you're like oh i'm just so glad to hit this you know differently and because the muscles of the back it's such a complicated muscular structure that the different angle and this is just just my opinion other people may not think this way and they like to stick with the same exercises and that's cool but i have always been a huge proponent of variety in different angles and even if it's the same exercises to do them in different sequences and with different rep tempos and rep speeds mm. and and things um you know rep ranges uh supersetting different um you know exercises things like that always doing something different where someone else may want to stay with the same four, five, six exercises, stick with them for a while to watch, to see that there's progression as far as progression with strength and that sort of thing. And I, like I've said numerous times, I don't emphasize strength as much as I used to. I really liked Andrew saying to make that exercise, that exercise as hard as possible. I tell my clients now when I train them one-on-one, that that is so important because most people who don't have much experience will look at it as I just need to lift this from point A to point B. And I always say it's not even really lift. Don't even think about it as, as lifting the weight or moving it from point A to point B. You're, you're basically using the weight versus lifting it. And I'm trying, you know, in saying that, I'm trying to come up with something that they can relate to. And I, they may not get it at the time, but if they put in enough time, they'll get it and they'll remember me saying that and it'll kind of click. So I think for people who have trained for a long time, that probably does make sense. Oh, shit, I am using it instead of lifting it. Or maybe, oh, shit, I'm just focused on moving it from point A to point B. I guess that is just moving the weight. And I think that those two approaches can be completely different and and can result in completely different, like a different end result. Yeah. I know uh, I don't want to go too far off topic, but it's a question I genuinely wanted to ask Andrew. Um, 
you know, Skip mentioned, you know, being able to hit a muscle with a lot of different exercises. And when I think about that, I think about the way John Meadows trains. He's always had like a ton of variety in his training. Every workout is going to be, you know, a little bit different. Um, and I know that you've learned a lot from John. You've worked with him. You know, you've come up through him. In fact, are you a Mountain Dog approved coach? Yeah, like I'm. I do. I still do articles for the site, and yeah. like me and John talk like once or twice a week um, on the phone or whatever. Um, yeah, he would like say like he told us he basically a couple of years back he was like, look, keep doing what you're doing on the site, and any clients you get from there you can have. Like, no, cool. don't give me anything. Like, we're good. So okay, well, yeah. how did, how has that influenced you in your training? Out of curiosity. So. All right, so I'll just give a brief history of my evolution of training because I, you know, I, I worked with Dante back in 2004 and five or six or something like that. And so, you know, up until from 2006 to about 2011, I was just straight progressive overload until, you know, I reached my max strengths and the injuries started piling up and a couple of hernia surgeries and all that good stuff, right? So then I was like, all right, so I got to figure out, because I'm getting to be closer to 30 here, I got to think about longevity at this point, you know, and now using that base of strength, to, you know, hit exercises a little differently. And that's actually where I think I started doing research online. And that's kind of how I learned about John. And, um, and I reached out to him and, and I annoyed him with questions like every other day, you know, and that wasn't <laughs> even a client. Like I wasn't even a client. <laughs> so it was actually really nice of him to like, you know, right. Respond back and be like, Hey, you know, I kind of have this pay site where you can pay $10 a month and <laughs> read about this stuff and, or, or you can actually ask me these questions. And now I get paid to answer them, but otherwise I'll keep answering them for you. So he's yeah, a nice yeah. guy about that. But, um, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, his influence of, you know, and, and here's the thing. I think a lot of people think that there's this big disparity between a progressive overload type program or like a one set to failure type program and mountain dog training. Hmm. And I think it's just a matter of semantics really, because if you're training, if you're doing a workout with John, you're, let's say you're doing four back exercises, you know, and four sets each. Well, and you're doing, let's say, eight to ten reps or whatever each exercise. The first three sets of those exercises are going to be feeder slash warm up slash whatever you want to call them sets where your RPE is not at a ten. You know, you're you're you know, you might do a set. Let's say you're doing pull downs with 200. You might get 10 reps and then and it feels like a six. And then you might add go to 220 and whatever, get eight. And it might feel like a six or eight or whatever. Anyway, the point is you work up to that one all out set where you're going to bust your ass and you're going to go to failure. So, again, it just comes down to semantics with, all right, is that one set in that exercise or is that four sets of eight or ten or whatever right. the reps are? And, and in my mind, it's always just been my mind with the approach to training has always been I'm working up to that one set that I'm that I'm really going to empty the tank or, you know, give everything on. Yeah. And and also, I just want to also get back to what Skip said about, you know, going to get away from the progressive overload. I still have a progressive overload attack or, or approach to it. But again, making those exercises harder now versus trying to give myself every advantage I can. Sure. So, yeah. you know, like, for instance, Dante taught me this um, this one arm uh, uh, pull down. Well, each rep, you're given a five second stretch. OK, so you can imagine that the weight I can use is probably cut down about 40 percent or 30 percent over what I could do if I was just grinding it out. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm still trying to progress in that sense, if you get what I'm saying. But now with those difficulties added uh, inside. So I still have a progressive overload effect or approach. But I also still have the influence of John with the exercises, the angles, um, you know, 
incorporating, um, you know, either a stretch technique on one, on one exercise or really trying to hit some high threshold motor units and other, in other, uh, uh, exercises. Um, you know, um, yeah. So I think, you know, there's a variety there. It's kind of like, I would love to like take someone through the gym and be like, okay, so my mental approach on this exercise is I want to do this. Or it's not like I could just be a client be like, all right, this is how you do every set, every exercise, every rep, you know? Because the way you're going to hit, say, a, a set of rack deadlifts is going to be very different than, um, like Skip pointed out, like training arms. Like my arm training is very pussy pump weight type stuff because, A, I think you're getting a lot of work from them when you're doing your upper body. And mm-hmm. I don't want to trash my elbows. And they get trashed if if I try to do progressive overload, curling 70-pound dumbbells. You know, I'll, I'll look over and I'll see a high school kid yanking up a weight that's probably twice what I've lifted with curls. And I'm you know, my arms are growing just fine now, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, that, and again, that comes with like longevity with training and just getting smarter and, and figuring out that, you know, certain things don't necessarily work for every body part. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Um, listen, we, uh, we got to jump to a quick commercial break here. We've got some questions. If you guys have some more questions, feel free to uh, to drop them here in the feed. I see we had uh, we had a couple of them pop up. So we'll get to those, guys. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a second. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for watching another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media. And thank you to our great sponsor, TrueNutrition.com, for making this all possible. TrueNutrition.com is owned by Dante Trudell, the creator of DC Training. He wanted to create a supplement company that offered high-quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price. High quality protein powders, just about every type you could think of. Huge variety of flavors, plus health and performance supplements. Check them out, truenutrition.com. And hey, if you use our code ADVICES, you directly support our podcasting. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the program. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear. Skip Hill, S2H, and our special guest coach, Andrew Berry. I'm Scott McNally. Uh, I wanted to mention, too, I started a Patreon for Advices Radio and Think Big Bodybuilding Media. So for the recorded version of this, I'm going to put that link down there. If you guys want to do anything to support the show, I've had people that have asked, like, hey, how can I support, especially like our guys in Europe? They're like, I can't buy stuff through True Nutrition because they don't ship, you know, international and stuff without it costing like, you know, $300 for a five pound bag of protein. Uh, If anybody is interested, we would uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, you know, but regardless, we're happy to to have you guys watching the shows. Um, where do we want to start here? We had a bunch of stuff. Send thousand dollar checks in care of Scott McNally. Five dollar minimum a month, people. All right. Here, my sinuses, by the way, are clear. Like they, <laughs> I feel good. I'm gonna I'm gonna need to use one of these like every day now. I think pressure. Yes. You know, Scott, maybe you should start like an Advices Radio OnlyFans. Yes. Yeah, I'll there you crack go. one of these things open every day. Like, that'll be the thing, you know? That'll be like your well, I entertainment. You do, like, uh, like, spot socks picture or something like that, because there's some weird people that'll send you money for weird stuff. You can have one Let of SDHS socks. Yeah. We have a, uh, we have a OnlyFans member at the gym and I won't say which gym because I train at a, you know, a few different gyms. So I'll be fair. But now myself and a couple of my clients, we have to go on and look to see because she'll do shit in the gym in different parts of the gym. And we're always impressed that number one, we seem to miss it while we're there. <laughs> and she may well be there while we're there, but we always miss it. 
and how she does not get caught is beyond me. And the Wait. girls make the bank, so more power to her. What do you mean she's doing type stuff or she's yeah. doing legit OnlyFans shit? Wow. At the, at the gym. Yeah. It and so it's always interesting to see. Where was she today? Where will she be today? So they, they'll keep track of what's going on. And they'll be like, oh, she just posted. She just posted. Maybe she's upstairs. I don't want to give away too much because I don't want. Well, we know the gym has an upstairs now. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah. Man, want you, you want you to give her a shout out. Yeah, that yeah. may be. I, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> I was some- even showing my wife. I'm like, look. She's like, oh my God, where'd you get? She goes, that's at the blank gym. I'm like, yeah, I know. So then I had you to explain that it. I'm like, yeah, I just had to, I was like, this is like while we were there. <laughs> so I told her the story. She thought it was funny, but holy shit, man. Making bank. Them girls, some of them girls are making an easy uh, 20, 30, 40 grand a month. Good God. We're in the wrong racket here. We got two guys that go to my gym, and they're a couple, and they're good looking guys, and they're jacked. Like, they look like really good, like, men's physique classic physique guys and you know they um they generate buco dollars exactly we're doing the we're doing the wrong thing here we're not doing this right i think we're not good enough first gym together me and skip could do it we're not good (laughs) none of us are good looking enough to do the guy thing because i don't know if you guys have noticed this or not but why are gay guys you you are not attractive you are no more attractive than i am and i know i'm not attractive no one is going to pay to see me naked, guaranteed. But why is it that gay dudes are so good looking? You know, you got, you know, you see somebody and you go, God damn, he's really good looking. He can pull a lot of ass and you go, I bet he's gay because he's that good looking. Straight dudes aren't as good looking as that dude right there. <laughs> My wife says the same thing. They're all good looking. I don't know. All right. We got a question here from Billy Ryan. <clears throat> he says, I'm going to read it the way he wrote it. He says, what does Andrew S2H or Skip recommend competitors to do with their nutrition during a health cruise phase? I kind of take this. I don't know. Should I take this personal? Because I feel like he said, what does anybody but Scott McNally think about this? I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Billy. He's, but yeah, he goes on a little bit, though. He says, um, if looking to build muscle, uh, do you have athletes drop calories down to maintenance for uh, the 12 weeks, uh, 8 to 12 weeks, while they're not at a super physiological level, uh, or keep the macros the same? It's been quite a conundrum for me, as I personally spend a lot more time cruising than I do blasting. Looking forward to the show. Thanks, thanks for not asking me, Billy. Go ahead, Skip. I know Skip's going to say the same thing. I will, so I'll let him say it. Uh, same thing. Let's see. So I'm going to think of what Scott would think. No. Um, I, I'm a little thrown by the health comment because I don't know exactly what he means by that. But it, it, when he's you cruising, guys, cruising dose. That's kind of what I was thinking. If you're just cruising and you're not basically on cycle, so maybe you're on a TRT dose or even if you're off. I myself tend to prevent and there are obviously variables and factors that play into this, but I prefer to keep the calories as high as possible when you're not on because dropping them while you don't have high levels of hormones and you're not on cycle, I think it's counterintuitive at the same time. You don't want to make your clients fat while they're, you know, not on, well, on cycle or not on cycle. 
but with the added caloric intake comes recovery and an more of an anabolic, um, you know, if you're, you're not going to have a high level of anabolics and you, you want to stay in an, you know, as anabolic as you can, and calories will help you to do that. So it's not a good idea. I'd even go so far as to say that I don't even like to cut when people come off of cycles. Yeah. Unless we have to, because you want to maintain as much strength and muscle throughout that cruise phase that you can. And if that means adding a little bit of body fat, then sometimes that's the, the lesser of the evils. That's my approach typically. But like I said, there's other variables and factors in there, you know, as well. But that's basically where I stand on that. Is that what you were going to say, Skip or Scott? Yeah. Other than when you first read the question, I thought he was going on a cruise, like a, on a ship. Oh. You said health cruise. But then you explain the rest of it. No, same thing. I mean, there's no need to. I think that kind of goes and coincides with people thinking if they're taking a gram a week and they drop to like 250 to cruise that they're unable to grow muscle at that point. That's not the case. So, you know, you're probably going to bring the food down some, but to come off and just drop to a maintenance or something, no. You know, you'll probably work down, maybe switch to more fats, less carbs, something like that. Caloric intake similar, but. No, you don't want to drop down to maintenance. Hmm. What about you, Andrew? Well, like, I mean, I think we all agree that like anything in bodybuilding, it all depends on the person, right? And if, right. if you've been working with a client for a while, you have some good past experience and some good, you know, notes or whatever. But generally, I look at this like, what do steroids do? Basically one thing, increase muscle protein synthesis, right? So when you're in that increased synthesis is leading to enhanced recovery. So I look at it more from a training standpoint. Like if someone was training six days a week, uh, geared up, I'm probably going to act and they have training day macros and they have rest day macros. My approach is probably going to be, let's pull one to two days of training back. Okay. Because mm -hmm. you don't have that same recovery ability happening. So you're still getting this quote unquote, the same nutrition. It's just without less of the training days in a sense. So I would say that that is a net, um, decrease in calories, but it's still geared towards what your recovery ability is, if, if that makes any sense to you guys. And it's absolutely very important to know that when you're not on cycle or you drop to TRT type dosages, that your recovery isn't going to be the same. And if you don't train, if you don't change your training while you're on versus while you're off, you're screwing yourself one way or the other because you can accomplish more with your training while you're on. And if you don't adjust back, then you're going to end up or you're more likely to find yourself overtrained. The recovery just isn't going to be the same while you're off. I completely agree with you. Sure. I, I tell a lot of guys, like, especially if they've only done a few cycles or whatever, they did their first contest prep and we just took them through like a post-show, you know, kind of blast phase. I'm like, look, you're going to have to cut your training down to three to four days a week for at least two to three weeks, because you're going to feel like you got hit by a bus. If you're going to keep training on this ball, right. wall five, six days a week, like you're literally like three or four days into it, you're not going to be able to get out of bed and mm -hmm. your joints are going to hurt. And then you're going to hurt yourself and you're going to, you're right. going to very quickly lead, get into an overtrained state. So I think, you know, when looking at, you know, the diet, the gear, like you also have to take the training into into account and then all the other factors like rest and what the person does for work, like if they're a construction worker versus someone that sits behind a desk like a lot of us do. Um, right. There's just so many factors, but I think generally pulling the training back is the right answer there. And in a sense, it's going to pull the calories back slightly, but not in a sense that it's going to affect your, your, um, your growth in a sense, basically. Right. Yeah. I'd say too, also when people say maintenance, calories i'd be real cautious on using one of those nifty calculators to you know you know your lifestyle 
metabolism. There's a lot of things that play a factor into how many calories and how much, what kind of food you need. Sure. So just to arbitrarily go, hey, I'm X weight, X height. I'm going to do 1,900 calories a day. I think most people shortchange themselves when they use those simple formulas that they're using that. So you got to be careful with that too. Mm -hmm. All right. I've got one here. This is from the previous uh, YouTube episode. By the way, guys, we got a bunch of comments on the previous episode. So thank you, everybody uh, over at YouTube who helped to promote the show by, like I said before, every time you comment, every time you like it, um, YouTube sees that interaction and it pushes the show up in the algorithm so that more people will see the show and we can, uh, you know, we can get in front of more people. So thank you guys very much. And let me just paraphrase, too, for anybody. If you love to troll and you think you're getting under our skin, thank you still for promoting the algorithm because your trolling <laughs> benefits us. So keep saying fucked up shit behind that you know name that doesn't have a picture. We love you. We, we love it. And keep talking <laughs> about Skip's melanotin use. We, we especially yeah. appreciate that. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So next question here. He says, uh, hey, man. Um, maybe you could answer this on the next uh, quest or question for the next time. Uh, I'm on TRT for low T and I'm having pretty bad response to testosterone. My blood work shows that I'm at 220 and a protocol of 50 to 60 milligrams every other day on troughs on trough days. And this is on multiple sources. So he's using UGL, he says, um, how would uh, someone in my situation deal with this? Am I doomed to be pinning 500 to 700 milligrams per week of testosterone just for TRT? And there's a, there's, that's, I mean, if, if someone just arbitrarily asked me that, I would tell them their gear is probably crap. I know. Yeah. I'm thinking that's like 300 milligrams a week, but you know, yeah. there's, there's some other stuff in there too, though. I mean, you know, I don't want to get the guy alarmed, but you know, there could be some issues going on, you know, inside, you know, in the, you know, hypothymalis, you know, the, the thyroid, um, you know, but this I feel like, did he say that? He didn't mention but, it. Is it, is that total testosterone? Yeah. I mean, I if mean, it's, if it's free, I'd say you're, uh, you're, you're okay. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, I'm sure it's total. I'm sure it's total. Um, I mean, and even I though there see. could be problems, like you're saying, Scott, it's still more likely that the gear is fucked yeah. up, and it's just yeah, not I'd good. Say it's but he said he said multiple sources, but they are all UGL. But you would think at least he'd get a better response from one than another. You know, at it's least great to know a lot of these sources just have different stickers. So what is he? He's taking fifty to sixty every other day. So what? That's three hundred, a hundred, hundred fifty to. 300 I guess I would tell him to bump it up 50 milligrams total for the week get your bloods done again and and see where you're at there if it's still low like this I'd be like find a completely different source dealer or something and then run the experiment all over again back at about 200 migs a week because uh, yeah either that or there's some kind of binding issue maybe with the testosterone that's in your system I don't know that's just weird yeah it's a tough one yeah, it's, I mean, but I think, like Skip said, it's, you got bad gear, buddy. I'll, I'll say you this if, if you're buying from a place.
your multiple choices may be the same choice with just a different label. It's a good point. That's a very good point, especially if it's on the same. If you're going with different sources on the same website, you could damn sure run into that problem. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Yeah. But look, if your carrier roll is the same, bottle shapes and all that, had to be all identical, you might be getting the same stuff just through different means. So yeah, I would switch to a different provider for and, and run the experiment over again and get your bloods done two, three weeks after after trying a completely different source. Yeah, because, I mean, that much a week, you should be 800, 900, something like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, if not higher. I mean, shit, I, I, I've i been running shit a long time. And if I'm running TRT at 210 or, you know, 220, I'm, you know, 1400, 1300. You know, I'm fighting to stay under 1200. So I have to get down to 200 or less just to be underneath that. 1200 cutoff and i've been doing shit for a long time so if my old ass needs it someone who's younger likely not always but likely would respond equally as well if not better yeah i'm about 1100 while he's getting his microphone back too i i think it's good to point out that you know we i know scott and i s2h and i we've always said there is too much attention paid to the total testosterone versus free testosterone because the free testosterone level really is so significant so much more important than the total testosterone especially when you're dealing with trt i mean it is with cycling too but you know if you at trt and, and you know you got a low free free testosterone level that echoes throw would be bad <laughs> but um you have a normal level that's free testosterone but you have a low you have a normal level that's total testosterone, but a low free testosterone, you know, goddamn, you, you got to change some shit around. And that's another question and another discussion. Uh, yeah, but you're, you're not really getting anything protein. out of it. Yeah, exactly. With a, with a 220 total, you're not going to have a great free anyway. Yeah. Do you guys talk you about me while I was gone? Normal, oh, right? his 220. Yeah, I agree with you. What's that, Scott? Do you guys talk about me while I was gone? My My headphones died. The battery died. I'm like, what the fuck? I can't hear him. What happened? Oh, no, no, we didn't. Powder. Yeah, Good. We didn't say anything. Nothing at all, Scott. We, yeah. just, we just looked at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Where did he go? Uh, all right. I wonder. the question. Okay. What did you figure out? Because I'm curious, too. I can't. I don't know. This is a weird one, you know? Bad gear. Bad gear? Yeah. Likely. And even gear, if it's yeah. from different uh, sources, if he's buying from the same person, they might just be labeling them in different bottles and, you know, one yeah. brand is it, but it all came from the same place. So uh, I think bad gear. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, I wonder if he has done the lab work on a bunch of different gear or he just felt kind of shitty and then he did, did the lab work on one, one brand, you know, did right. he come back at 220 using that same dose on three different brands or yeah. when he tested, was he just 220, you know? Yeah, because that that could speak to just one brand being bad for sure. Hmm. Yeah, and also how, how long after his last injection did he test? Because there are That's some people that, that there are some people that that prescribe to the wait three weeks to really. Yeah, but he said he was taking it every other day. So I mean, depending on when he would do the blood draw, you're, he's yeah. going to have a pretty stable level if he's dosing yeah. it every other day. Yeah. Take more. All right. We got one from uh, we got one from our good friend George White over in the UK. Uh, he says uh, some good questions that he's got coming to get. Let's see. Uh, what's your opinion on the assertion uh, that fifty reps to failure is the same as ten reps to failure? He says, "Me, 
I think that there is room for all rep ranges, but I think that people who do high reps often go three or four reps shy of failure. Uh, it just gets hard while those in the lower rep range are most likely to go to actual failure. That's his thought. What do you guys think? Run with it, Andrew. Well, I mean, so first off, failure is like a ambiguous term in a sense, because like failure is only failure if you literally can't do it and you're in the middle, the midpoint of the rep and you can't move the bar machine, whatever it is anymore. So, I mean, I guess using like, you know, using that line of thinking, um, I don't know, like 200 reps. I, I, all right. Here's actually, uh, I just read um, Bradley Schoenfeld's book, uh, Hypertrophy. Uh, principles of hypertrophy i think it's called you guys seen that book um second edition i read the first one years ago and i read the second one and you know he goes through like hundreds of studies and this stuff for various things like rest pause sets or um 200 rep not 200 rep but super high rep sets versus super low rep sets and here's what i pulled away from it just train really friggin' hard in whatever rep range you are gonna hit it in and and try to get into that point where you don't have any real repetitions in reserve two to three uh, uh, sets per workout and you're going to improve. So yeah. I think that's kind of, and I felt like I knew that beforehand, you know, because um, I don't know how you guys feel like what your favorite rep range is. But for me, I always just like hitting uh, my preferred is right around eight reps when I'm doing like some power movements. You know, I don't like to go anything lower than that because that injury risk starts to creep into my mind and I get a little scared. Um, but then that, that, in that same token, though, I'm not afraid to do like the 20 rep, you know, hack squats or the, the, the 20 rep squats or whatever you want to call them. So, but I don't think 200 reps makes much sense. That's cardio at that point. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I don't think you're hitting your type two fibers. I think you're, you're really hitting those type one fibers. And while there is some room for growth there, it's not much. So, yeah, I think the high rep training and <clears throat> I know he specifically asked about to failure. So to answer his, to fir first to answer his question directly, 50 reps to failure versus 10 reps, um, what I will give him or I will concede is the higher reps to true failure are significantly harder physically and mentally than the lower repetitions. So if you're, yeah. if he's saying 50 reps, if it is true failure, there is no question that that is some incredibly intense shit. I would even go so far as to say 20 reps to failure versus 10 reps, even though it's not as heavy as a, a heavy of a weight, it takes more psychologically to actually do that. Not 20 reps, but 20 reps to failure Agree where you're eating it or you just, now I will say, cause you make a good point about that term being ambiguous. And I agree with you. But if you come out, let's say for the sake of conversation, we're squatting. If you come out on the 20th rep and it took you seven seconds to close that rep, I'm going to give you failure on that yeah, one. You probably would exactly. too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, when you come away from something like that, you can't really tell your client, eh, you didn't eat it. So technically, yeah. you could have got another one. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I, I would accept that as failure. At the same time, I think that compound exercises and high rep ranges like that. Uh, even 20, whether it's 50, I think I, 50 is kind of would probably be my threshold if I had to put something on, because even then you're getting up into rep ranges that are going to make you fail from a lung oxygen standpoint before yeah. the muscle itself would really want to fail. 
But I will tell you this. I do think that if your body's not used to it, it is a stimulus that your body has not seen and it can produce growth. But I would not try to do that shit on a regular basis. You guys might not be old enough, but Tom Platts did that squat to, to maybe not to fair, but he did 50 reps at 315. And it was something that my training partner said, we were in our teens. He said, I got to go in, I got to do 225, 50 reps of 225. And you know me well enough. Y'all know me well enough. Those were not short reps. My training partner would not have been doing short reps. And that motherfucker did 50 reps. He was only like 16 or 17 years old at 225. And he was known for his legs anyway. And goddamn, it was, it was painful to watch and to witness and to spot him. But in his, to his, um, Basically, to give him props, everybody in that fucking gym, and it was busy, stopped what they were doing when they saw and just were so enamored, like, when is this motherfucker going to stop? And they were literally applauding a 16 or 17-year-old when he hit that. I think he was 17. But the point being, you know, he didn't weigh but 160, 170 pounds, and he got him. He he collapsed, whether it was melodramatic or not, trying when he took his first step forward to get back to the rack because they were old school step up racks. So, you know, so you had to take two or three steps to get it there and literally and I couldn't hold him. I mean, he just went down, but they're all applauding Mm -hmm. everything else. Something like that. My point is something like that is still a stimulus that the body can can oh, you yeah. can get hypertrophy from that and grow, but it's not something you can come around and do. And he wasn't going to do anything else. He came in, warmed up, did his 50 rep set and left. And it was plenty because he was crippled for a fucking week. <laughs> I would yeah, also it's, add that you probably couldn't sustain that type of like an exercise like that yeah. week in and week out and expect sure. long-term results. Like you said, exactly. like it's a great, let's fuck shit up. Let's, let's really stimulate it. And then, like you said, one exercise out and probably don't pull that out of the bag again for another at least a month or something like that. Absolutely. So going back to the guy's original question, go ahead. Go ahead. Take it. Well, he said something about the high rep guys can push out the extra three reps. The low rep guys don't. Well, I mean, if you got 135 pounds in the squat rack, you got to do it 50 times. Even when you get, you know, when your lactic acid builds up, you're winded, you can still handle the weight to re-rack it when you have – you know, 485 on your back and you're thinking about cranking out that one last couple of reps and you're going to crash and burn, you're more inclined not to do it. So I think the sure. weight and the type of exercise makes a difference. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Actually, speaking of like the, you're talking about your buddy that did that, 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 you know, 225 for 50, a couple of years ago on, on Facebook on one, maybe it was uh, in Nate's group, bodybuilding for bodybuilders, but there was like all these strength challenges or these squat challenges going around. Might've been started by Phil Viz or something. But um, did you guys see the one that Michaela Acock did? You guys know who she is? She's the women's physique uh, competitor. She's wicked She's strong, pro. too. Ridiculously and, and strong. And women's pro bodybuilder, too. Yeah. Like, she hack squats, like, seven plates, like, a side. Like, she's nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she did, and she's only, like, a hundred and, what, 150 pounds or even she's, in shape. She's probably, like, a hundred. She, or yeah, something. you know what? She's not a, like a tall woman, first of all, and she has uh, a, a petite structure, so it's not yeah. like she's like this big burly human being. No, uh, she's like very small jointed, and yeah. But anyway, so I think she squatted like it, it had to have been like one thirty-five, and I think she did like a hundred or something like that. It was oh, like shit. some something that like made you like you're like, oh my god, she is still going. Like this is absolutely crazy, yeah. and I think she did like two twenty-five for somewhere close to 20 or something so yeah she something to look up and watch mm-hmm. we got one from dan and michelle kennedy our friends up in canada best protocol for a serious injury uh like a complete quad rupture 
Yikes. Protocol. I mean, I guess, first of all, go to the hospital and get it reattached, yeah. right? Yeah, like, have, are they post-surgery, or is this like, oh, I just tore my quad the other day. Like, what do I do? Yeah, how about this? Um, I think this is going to be Dan. Dan, give us a little bit more insight on this, and we will get back to it. And we'll jump to another question while you do that. Um, let's see here. We had another one up here. Let's see. Well, we got questions everywhere, really. Um, here's another one from the group. Would orals be preferable over injectables when it comes to cholesterol issues? Could the elevated and stable steroid hormone levels throughout the day be what's causing uh, most of the problems when it comes to lipids or cholesterol? Um, if someone could keep the liver enzymes in check, would this be the way to go? Uh, I'm going to say injectables are better than orals, regardless of what they're yeah, all the way around. Yeah, I'm kind of. Yeah, I want to make I would, understand the question, right? The, is only, that what they the, were only, the only caveat to that is if you have to take a lot of Arumidex, you know, uh, if that's what you're using for aromatase inhibitor, then that can kind of go the other direction on you a little bit. But I, I would say there's, I can't see any reason why any injectable, any oral would be better than an injectable. Yeah, I mean that's, that that well, we all look at clients' blood work, right? I mean, yeah. would would you have someone running, you know, test in another anabolic versus te versus the pre-contest cycle? Winstrol, you know. When people's blood work is the worst, it's from the Winstrol, it's from the Halo, it's from mm -hmm. the uh, anti-ease that you're adding in. Um, what's that? Anadrol. Oh, the anadrol, yeah, or yeah. super draw, or, or all the draws. Like, that's when yeah. the blood work's always the worst. <laughs> Liver enzymes are like two to three or four times what they should be, and the HDL is like 13 or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, this is, it's all, I always try to steer people away from the uh, orals in the in the off-season, at least, as much as possible. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I kind of thought that I misunderstood the question because he is, so I understand, he's, he's asking if orals would be better than injectables or cholesterol yeah okay yeah i just i i'm i mean I, I certainly don't want to make it sound like a shot to the guy who asked the question because i don't mean it that way but orals just have such a profound impact such a dramatic impact on cholesterol levels versus injectables i guess i was just surprised with that. i just wanted to make sure I, well that's I what we're here for skip we're here to educate yeah, yeah. you know I, but i just want to make sure that i understood it right because i was thinking maybe i didn't understand the question right that's more of what i was saying i i just thought maybe i missed misheard it yeah okay so dan's back so he says that it's uh it happened on thursday the surgery was friday and what else does he add here uh he's in a brace now and has to wear it for six weeks first doctor visit is in three weeks first of all dude we're really sorry to hear this man it's uh yeah. that's a rough one um hey you guys take it take away growth. what can we do take growth yeah i was gonna take growth yeah. bp's <laughs> And I would actually get in the gym and I would train that other side. Yes. And I know some people say that it's like counterintuitive, but, you know, I think we've probably all seen the studies or we know people anecdotally. Like, uh, you guys probably remember Kate Zook. He won the uh, North American Super Heavyweight Class in 2019. Um, he had torn, I believe it was his tricep completely, like nine months before that show. And every day he went into the gym at like 4.30 in the morning and did his normal stuff as much as he could do, training his legs, training his arm, you know, on hammer strength machines, the one side he could train. And the day of the show, you you couldn't tell really what side he had torn. 
Um, so I think a lot of people think if you still keep training that other side, you're going to uh, get ahead on that side or whatnot. But it just shows that there is a systemic effect of training uh, to the whole body that can help you maintain the musculature that you have on that injured side. Dude, to back I do. you I'm up. <laughs> hey, to, to back you up, Andrew, uh, Scott Stevenson just said this on the last episode of Muscle Minds. Uh, I think it was in episode 98, but check this out. I'm going to steal Scott's graph. Look at Scott. Now we're, we're, we're all bright and we're doing science too, just like you. Um, wow. So then you know I'm right. And if Scott said it, then. <laughs> yes, yes. So this was measuring strength, and they did a thing where they trained one arm. And look at that. The, there was a strength improvement uh, on the other arm, that top that top uh, figure there, the top of the figure. So it, it, he talked more about it, but I just wanted to use an opportunity to put up a chart so that we can look all smart like Scott. But, yeah, he had just Dr. talked Scott all about that. He probably could use better language to describe it. But of course. Basically, it works. <laughs> of course. Scott, it's a Scott thing. It's Scott thing. The way you explained it, Andrew, everyone understood. Yes. When Scott talks sometimes. Right, exactly. When Scott talks, sometimes his words are a little bit longer. <laughs> More syllables. Bigger. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> So then you were saying I, I you as fast as you can uh, to train that opposite side leg as much as you can um, and still train your upper body as best you can. And, you know, try to do everything you can in terms like like uh, Scott said, uh, um, you know, add growth hormone if you're not. Um, I have good experience with BPC 157 um, in high doses when I have injuries, tears and whatnot. I do think it works. Um, I'd also take some collagen, add a, yes. add a good deal of collagen to your diet. Um, I think BPC doesn't work as well unless you are adding a good dose of collagen into your, the, um, the UC two collagens, uh, particularly. Um, and yeah, you know, try to, try to keep your body stress free so that, uh, you can recover otherwise in, in, as fast as possible. I think we all know too, like bodybuilders when they get, when they get an injury and, or a surgery or whatever. And the doctor says, Oh, you're not going to be back in the gym for eight weeks. It's like, I'll see you in three weeks, dude. Like I'll be in there lifting something in three weeks. <laughs> exactly. Because we're healthier, you know. I think because we're healthier, we're so more in tune with our body, with what's gonna hurt and what's what's smart or what's not smart to do. And we know our limitations a lot more than the average person. And I'm sure the average person, you know, they do need to take that eight weeks off. But you know, like when my client has a like a let's say, you know, they tore their tricep or something like that or a bicep and the doctor said, Oh, you can't go to the gym for four weeks. I'm like, listen, after you get past the first week where we're not worried for, you know, strokes or, or, um, you know, things like that with, with blood, uh, blood clots and whatnot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Blood clots. Uh, I want, we're going to get you doing cardio 20 minutes a day or something like that. I want to get you moving again. Cause I don't want you to get complacent because I think also it's going to help keep their spirits up, you know, for one yep. thing, like they have a plan, a plan of action. Okay. Week one, we're back in the gym. We're just going to do cardio. Week two, we're going to do our legs twice a week, and we're going to do one day of upper body for what we can, single arm on that other side, and then just progress it from there, you know. And mm -hmm. and on top of that, make sure you're doing your physical therapy. Make sure you're doing your stretches, uh, all those things that you need to do to make sure you're going to get better. If the doctor said eight weeks, let's see if we can't cut that down to six weeks or five weeks, you know. So, mm -hmm. yeah. When you say high doses of PPC, what are you talking? Uh, so for an acute injury, I would do two milligrams a day okay. like one milligram in the morning one milligram in the evening uh for like two weeks like 10 days two weeks and then i cut it down uh to like a milligram a day for um i think for like another two weeks and i, I take 500 uh uh likes a day anyway just for out of a you know prevention standpoint and okay. i do say like 
I do have seen that like I don't get little micro tears like I you know like you know, when you're benching and you get mm-hmm. like a, a little pec tear or because um, I've been prone to like pec tears bicep tears stuff like that in the past so um, I do find that taking 500 mics a day helps you and maybe it's psychosomatic but you know it's worth spending the money that I do on it so right that's cool yeah that's higher than I've gone I've gone to a milligram a day was has been my high end I felt like that that worked pretty good but I mean I I wouldn't see a, a problem with it now when it first came out or when we first started talking about it in bodybuilding, we always said hey, you should put it close as possible to the site uh, that was injured. And then from there, they said, no, nah, it doesn't really matter. You know, you, you could do it. Syste- it goes systemic. What are your thoughts there? Um, I think because I am a little, let's call it bodybuilding superstitious. Uh, if I <laughs> you know, have. If, if, if the skin that, or the area that I want to put it in is exposed, I'll put it there, but I'm not going to like take my pants off somewhere. And like, if I have to put it in my knee, like I'll just put it in my abdominals or something. But, um, because here's the thing, like everything runs systemically every, anyway. Right. Like once yeah. you put something in your body, it's going to go in your bloodstream and then it's going to travel in circulation. So I do think it doesn't really matter that much, you know? Yeah. All hey, right. Andrew, Maybe send someone, Scott the yeah. bill for those two questions because those are for him, he asked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I did the systemic, you know, I, I I thought about it for a while. So when I first started, I I went to the site and then I went like, yeah, just put it anywhere. It's going to go systemic. And now it, you, you used a good word, superstition, out of superstition. Now if it's like, well, it's my shoulder, I better put it in my shoulder just to be careful, just to be so safe. So I do do that. So like to, to be to, uh, <laughs> My educated mind says it doesn't matter where you put it. You can put it in your toes if you want to. But yeah. my superstitious bodybuilding mind says, well, okay, I have a lat, partial lat tear. I'm putting it in my lat every day. Right, so, right. Yeah, yeah I know um, True Nutrition, our sponsor, has uh, uh, J-Flex. I use that every day. That has undenatured type 2, that UC2 collagen, um, and I use their hydrolyzed beef collagen. So I know, you know Dan's in Canada, so he's not going to be ordering True Nutrition. But for anybody else... You know, I think that those are both great products. And and Dante said, you know, he's developed the products he has because those are things that he would want to use, things that he does use. Um, I think it's a great product overall because you you hit all those bases. I've talked about that before, but it is nice to hear someone else come on, though, and talk about uh, UC2 as well. Let's see what else we have here. We've got a bunch more still. Um, there was a question about Novadex somewhere in here. Uh I'll see if I could. There it is. Uh, James Hastings. Are there any negative long-term side effects to using Novadex? Clotting. Or you say clotting? Yeah. Yeah, blood clots. Um, I've seen that in the literature. It's been shown to lower your IGF, but I don't think it does it that much. Well, anyone that's usually taking all that is usually pumping GH anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, no, but I think the biggest, I think the biggest long-term risk is the risk of a stroke uh, from the clotting factors. I do know, especially if you have the, that genetic, um, um, uh, what do you call it, mutation that causes your, your blood to clot more anyway. Um, if you do have that, which you would probably know, you should be on another medication, that, that like a blood thinner. Um, or maybe not be using novel decks, but and yeah. I've heard that, but I don't know what to what degree the increase or the potential increase is for the clotting. I've never heard whether it's significant, whether it's mild, whether it's not that I think common. It's mild. 
Okay. I think it's mild, but and I think we talk about it because it was just one thing that they, one one factor that they looked at in a particular study. Yeah, I mean right. they might do other things that we're not aware of because it just hasn't been in, in the literature. But um, you know, if, if if you do some reading on novel decks, that is one one possible negative that does pop up. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, breast cancer breast cancer patients take it for long periods of time, so yeah. I don't really know. I want to say I, I think if I remember. It's more prevalent in males to have blood clotting from Novodex than females. That's actually a good point. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah, I think I'm, I might I might be wrong on that, but I think I'm right. No, you're you're right actually. Um, I, I should have mentioned that. Well, and if you pile that on top of cycles that is increase that are increasing your blood viscosity anyway, it's you would think that our demographic would be uh, at a higher risk than an average male that was using, which obviously an average male typically wouldn't use it. And I understand that point too, but with the added, you know, risk of the higher viscosity, RBCs, hematocrit, hemoglobin stuff with what we do, uh, that would likely increase it. I'm sure. I just want to take a minute to point out again, that comment from Serbia, because he said, we drive around, he said, hello from Serbia. We drive around the city and listen to your station. I just think that is so cool. That that blows my mind. Skips what's being pumped up. I got range the tower for a signal. Uh, we had one. No, I get, I, I'm sorry. I keep getting sidetracked. I don't know. You guys You guys have, Scott, you've got kids. Uh, Andrew, do you have kids? I don't. No. Okay. I, I, I hear sirens and ambulance, and I can see them from where I'm sitting. And when you have kids, I know my daughter's on her way home from her boyfriend. So I just. Oh. I'm sidetracked because I'm like, she's supposed to be on her way. And I don't know. I just, my brain works like that. So maybe, I, maybe it's, I'm not the only one, yeah, but, but I've been sidetracked. I'd look, look at it this way. The ambulance would be going towards the hospital, not towards you guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I think you're in the clear is what I'm saying. Yeah. Or to the accident. I'm not sure. <laughs> she's not here, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, anyway, I got a text back from her. So now my brain is clear good. again. Good, 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 Sorry. good. Okay, so this was kind of a follow-up from last week. We talked about the triceps. We talked about, Skip, you were saying uh, that you didn't feel comfortable with a tricep movement being done when the tricep isn't in a full extension. So Maybe not necessarily a full extension, but when that angle with the upper arm and the torso is more closed, it makes me nervous because I've it puts more pressure or it makes the the tricep tendon in the elbow itself it puts it in more of a vulnerable position in my opinion but before we i always have to do this and i but i do this out of respect because and i've used dusty as an example before so now i'm going to use can we ask JM. the question yeah you didn't even ahead. ask the question yet. yeah i know i'm just so i'm trying to be careful because i don't want to disagree with something and then have it sound disrespectful go ahead all right let's let let's at least clue people in before yeah. you go off on your rant <laughs> um okay so he says uh hi scott i have a follow-up question from bsg episode the last bsg episode what's skip's take on the jm press uh considering that the elbows close their angle toward the torso and uh they are still safe since you are flat are, are they still safe since you are flat and not sitting up his whole point on the elbows closing in made total sense to me and i could actually feel what he means so the jm press this is jm from um elite who's you know also i guess one of the one of your your fellow elite fts guys 
um, he has. Would you call this a, a bench press movement? How would you? Well, it's like a tricep extension. It's a skull. Cru- I mean, the best way to explain it is it's more of a skull crusher, bringing the bar down, you know, to your to your, your face, your, your face, your mouth area, your chin area, that sort of thing. Yeah, neck. Point is, is a typical one would be, you know, right about the eyes of the forehead, which I still I'm not still entirely fond of. But the point is, is that bringing it down closer closes that angle that I'm not a big fan of, and. Here's the thing. Like I said, this is where I put this disclaimer on it. First, Jam is incredibly intelligent, well-educated, very tons and tons of experience. And he moves weights that half of that weight would tear my tricep tendons clear from the bone and any other mere mortals <laughs> that are listening as well. He's in a different league. So in that sense, and he even says in his video that he – he, he doesn't warn about it, but he does basically say, and I'm paraphrasing, that he had a lot of strength in his tricep tendons prior to coming up with this exercise and that they don't bother his elbows for that reason. But that if you don't have that strength, that it that you really need to be careful in building the strength in that exercise. I still stand by the fact that I think it is a I don't think it's a bad exercise. I don't I, what I'm saying is I think it's an exercise that puts the elbow specifically the, the tricep tendon in a, in a much more vulnerable position to be even if not injured irritated um, I, I call it itis or old man itis issues with inflammation it's not an angle that I would want to use or that I would condone and say yeah that's a great idea it makes me nervous but similar similarly Dusty Henshaw does his tricep you know his skull crushers in a maybe not a similar fashion in the sense that they're not a, a straight up jam press but his angle is closed too and it just makes me nervous because it's such a there he moves big big fucking weights but he can move big weights and he has tendons that the rest of us don't have too i just think for the average person the large majority of people if they keep that angle open just 90 even if you're going to keep it at 90 degrees okay i won't argue it but if it's even open slighter than 90 or more than 90 degrees even if it's slight i think that lowers the risk of vulnerability or the risk of injury if it's open versus if it's closed okay i'll see if i can get this video too so i can pop that up for the youtube so that people can kind of see what it is it kind of reminds me of a cross between a skull crusher and a close grip bench the way yeah i, see I mean I, I would say that's probably a good way to explain it without the visual yeah, yeah. i agree with you yeah but if you were taking a close grip bench up like to the top part of your you know yeah like your neck basically yeah skip have you ever tried that exercise with kettlebells so you're not coming no i haven't right i've like, seen it like right yeah. here drop the elbow use kettlebells. right oh you don't okay so i have actually because I won't ever do the JM press with a barbell, but hmm. um, with the kettlebell, when your elbows are feeling good, there's no tendonitis or anything going on. It actually feels really good, a really good connection. Um, and I don't think there is that same still risk of injury with the angle being closed off like you're talking about. But I don't feel it's the same as when you're holding a flat bar like this. Yeah, you get that what I'm Because your wrist is and, allowed to torque a little differently. Sure, exactly. And even position of that exercise in your tricep. Uh, workout. Let's say this. Do you do triceps after chest and shoulders? 
when they're very warm and they're ready to go? Or do you come in cold to do triceps and biceps and it's going to be your first exercise that you're opening with? I mean, there's so many variables and factors in there. Do you have a history of having, you know, sore elbows to where you can't do other things like overhead you know, dumbbell um, extensions because they don't feel good on your elbows versus those people who really don't have much of a problem with elbows, whether it be tendonitis or any type of pain or injury or anything. There is, there's a lot of variables there. So it's, you know, we talk about this often. It's difficult to give, you know, we know that the listenership is this broad field of people from all different backgrounds. At the same time, where everything is always going to be individual, we have to like err on the side, or this is how I approach it anyway. I look at it more as my response as, as being what would benefit the majority of people listening. So that's why there, yes, there are those individual factors and I completely agree with you. And the majority of people just specific to this, this question and this answer, I still feel that if, if that angle is open, there's less of a vulnerability. Now, I could probably walk in and finish triceps with that movement, and I'd be like, oh, my God, I haven't done this angle before. My triceps would blow up, and I'd be fucking in love with them. Another thing JM said, and I think this is important, too, and I'm glad I didn't forget this. He was talking about the biceps being kind of a cushion. Mm. So, you know, in that bottom position, if they're right. Here's the thing, though. you got to have big enough arms to have biceps to be a cushion. Yeah. So if your arms aren't big enough, you don't have the cushion, then you could be even in more of a vulnerable position, vulnerable position than someone who does have bigger arms and can use that to their advantage. So again, another factor, there's just a myriad of factors here. <laughs> and I don't do the kettlebells because I've never been to a gym that has a ton of kettlebells. I don't know why. I've been to tons of gyms, but I never end up with a variety of kettlebells. You just don't see them because you're not looking for them. That's my. Sure, I think that that's what be. it is. You don't. That you're not a kettlebell too. guy. It's really important that you find the pink ones and you use those. <laughs> Dude, that I got, a, I got a pink one right over here. That competition kettlebell that's pink is like sixty pounds. It's crazy. Oh shit! No kidding. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't know this because I, obviously I don't do. But I was at a strongman gym and they had different colors. And the pink one, they I, I, it, it, they were color coded in some way. But yeah, the pink ones were like sixty at this place. It was nuts. Uh, we we got another training question though. I love this shit. We got some good training stuff here. Um, when training legs, is there a good benefit to using heavy bands like on leg press or hack squats with weights? Hmm. I mean, I Run think legs. the answer is yes. But I I just wanted a chance to talk about bands. I think it's fun. Yeah. Resistance, resistance, but. Yeah, I mean, it's adding some accommodating resistance. Um, you know, I, I do like a reverse banded hack squat in the sense, you know, where it is going to take the, the weight off at your most vulnerable point when you're at the lowest, when your knees are under the most pressure, the most force. Uh, so I do like, you know, and that's something I think we've seen a lot of people start doing, especially in the last two to three years. Dude, I was uh, going to say that, man. Would you agree that reverse banded hacks are the most popular leg exercise right now? Oh, easily, yeah. Well, I think because you're seeing so many guys that are pretty good getting past, say, like, you know, 30 years of age that we probably all follow, and they're not hitting the squats the same way they were mm. 25, 20, you know, mm. like, I mean, for me to squat, it's like, okay, the stars have to align and <laughs> do a special dance, you know, I did the 30 minutes of rolling my glutes and, you know, all that stuff, and it's like, things have to feel, the back has to feel right, all that, so, but, you know, the hack squat 
you warm up a little bit, you just keep adding more weight. Typically, as long as you don't have major knee injuries, yeah. So I agree, it definitely is the most popular leg exercise. Plus, it looks cool to put seven or eight plates aside on, you know, on something. <laughs> like, oh, I'm moving weight, you know. But it's the same thing, reason why people use those uh, all the hammer strength stuff these days. You know, mm-hmm. some of those machines you can put five, six plates on and dangle right. a twenty-five on the handle, and you're like, oh man, that guy's going hard, you know. <laughs> Meanwhile, you get over there and you see grandma's doing two and a half plates on it. You're like, okay. Everything thing doesn't have much weight to it. But, you know. on, you're, you're ruining my gig, dude. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever do uh, reverse band squats? Yes. I like those. Uh, yeah, I like reverse band squats. I mean, I like incorporating bands and stuff. Absolutely. I do think you run into an issue if you do them, like, every single time. I, th- I do think you're going to see some joint wear and tear that does feel a little different um, mm. than regular wear and tear. And I, and I don't exactly know why. I think maybe it's just that force overload as, as you um, are extending um, the repetition or you're moving through the movement pattern. Um, it just hits a little differently. But I like to incorporate them for different things too, like um, hamstring curls, uh, leg extensions sometimes. Um, what else? You know, even like you want a really good tricep burn, like do some tricep uh uh, press downs using some bands yeah. and do like that 15 to 20 reps and that'll light your triceps like if you, and i have people that have a hard time having a really good tricep connection use a band exercise uh to, to really you know get them going on the first set first exercise rather and um that'll light them right up for almost anybody but mm-hmm. um but i do think people have taken the bands and the chains and the special squat shoes and the all this training equipment stuff a little bit too far you sure. know at some yeah. point it's like let's let's just stick to the iron and, and let's progress with that for a while you know but that's just my take i was at the gym today and i was like man this kid's got like five different shoes one for squatting one for deadlifting and one for training chest like all in the same bag i'm just kind of like looking i'm like and then he's got like you know we all have equipment in our gym bags we have our elbow and our wrist straps and stuff but he had like i don't know it looked like um it was like a you know a hockey bag yeah like a bag and i'm like you got a body in there or something? <laughs> it's like it's like the guy with one thirty five on the bench, and he's got like three bands going four different directions. It's like, bro, yeah. how about you just do one thirty five? I found yeah. for me, I you know being uh, training from home, it has its limitations. I don't have skips hundred machines. You know, the, you walk into that new gym, you've got a hundred different angles to hit back. Um, but I've had to you know get more creative, and I found that when I'm doing so I got back into barbell bench, which I hadn't done forever. Part of it being my shoulder had so many issues, uh, bicep tendon. I uh, I got the Elite FTS shoulder saver pad, and that felt pretty good. Like it made a good difference. But then for me, like the gold is I use not a reverse band, but like a straight band. Um, and I've worked up to the, the like the green. I don't know what they're called. They're still like one of the mini bands. It's the thickest band you can get. That's still the little one, you know. Um, but I use that to add resistance as I'm pressing along with that shoulder saver pad. And because my shoulder is it's it's going to get the most irritated down at the bottom. I can only handle so many plates on the bar before it's it's just as hard at the bottom as it is at the top with the plates you know what i mean but with that band i can i it's like my sweet spot where with that combo between the elite shoulder saver pad and that band i can grind as hard on that as i can on my dumbbell press which is my like that's my favorite lift that's a lift that like you know that's my best lift for for training chest 
and now I have like my second best lift. It, and if it wasn't for the band, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be like it wouldn't quite scratch that itch. You know what I mean? Quite the same. So, you get a slingshot. You told me about that. Yeah, yeah. What do you feel about that slingshot? Because I see some of these guys that like put three plates on there and they get like five, and then I'm like, I know you can't even squat two twenty five or bench two twenty five. Well, I mean, it depends which one you get, but I tell you what, a slingshot puts all the weight in your chest. I mean, you yeah, don't get the sickest chest pumps from a slingshot. You got to be careful when you use one at first. You need a, you need a spotter because you could you could lift the weight off and dump it right on your lap because mm. they're at first they're a little. The, it's it's like basically wearing the the very top front half of a of a pressing shirt, you know I mean? You can, at first it feels a little weird coming off. So I wouldn't recommend it. You know, I mean, Scott, you can do it at home alone on Instagram. So I can watch as, as you crush your waist, but it kind of wants to take one of these first. want to travel down in front of you more. But uh, yeah, dude, I, I mean, I get the sickest pumps from it. Huh. It's great. As Scott, you have has a Scott has a powerlifting background though. So my response yeah. to that is, there, when you're a power lifter versus bodybuilding, you're benching differently anyway. And I don't like the elbow position with the slingshot. First, I think it's gear that is, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan on principle. If there is a reason, whether it be a shoulder issue or something like that, then, then I understand that and to each their own and anybody can use whatever they want. But when you're trying to bench more in a bodybuilding style with the elbows flared, I just think it's, counterproductive i think it locks you it doesn't, you in it doesn't it tucks you it tucks them and that's why i say that's not that's not as much of a benefit from a bodybuilding standpoint as it is get a slingshot, Scott. don't listen to him get a slingshot <laughs> and my advice is just fucking save your money and don't even bother with it <laughs> so hey, pick skip, one. You, you could probably bench 225 with a slingshot i might be able to but my numbers on my bench are not a concern <laughs> All right, we got one more here. Best, and then I still, I got to tell you too, we got a lot of gun feedback from the last episode. S2H is, uh, well, you know, Andrew watches the show. He watches this podcast, so he knows that uh, S2H is uh, a gun guy. And we got a lot of gun feedback. I had maybe another gun question, but before we do, uh, Matt asks us, best health and wellness supplements to take for a healthy bodybuilding lifestyle? Guns. I think it depends. Yeah. Iron? No. I, lead. I think it depends That's on the, uh, I mean, is there a particular health issue you're trying to fix? I mean, if you're just talking right. about it like general supplements, it's like, okay. I mean, I, I have things that I ask all my clients to take when they're, you know, running heavy stuff. And then we also have things I ask them to take when they're cruising or, and then just general things I have people that aren't running anything take, like, you know, fish oil, um, you know, if they have digestive issues, I want them to take particular digestive supplements or we'll try them out at least. Um, but, you know, I don't even like to recommend necessarily a multivitamin. Um, I'd rather try to hit them up with good nutrients, fruits, vegetables in the diet or supplement with like a greens formula. Um, but, you know, I think there's some people where I'm like, just take fish oil. We're going to cover all the other health stuff from your nutrition plan. And mm -hmm. maybe I'm forgetting something, but maybe, I don't know, what do you think, the other guys? I used to be big on, I, I would have an arsenal of things that I took and th and one day for no good reason, <laughs> I just took both of the baskets and threw them in the fucking trash. And I haven't seen, you know, it doesn't mean that blood work tells you everything, but I haven't felt anything different. I haven't taken, and, and I'm not kidding when I say 
I just don't take anything. I don't take a multivitamin. I don't take fish oil. And I haven't seen any changes in my blood. Now, there are a couple things that I have thought, okay, I, I wouldn't mind keeping the vitamin K in there. And, you know, the things that on paper look really good for heart health over the over the long haul. Uh, vitamin D, I'm always good with vitamin D, and I tell most people that it is incredibly important for your immune system, but I don't have that much of a problem with it because every time I go to the doctor, my doctor pats me on the back and says he wishes everybody had the vitamin D levels that I do. Nice, <laughs> yeah, nice. I have, I'm sure I have melanoma, and I'm going to die in the next three months or so <laughs> when, it get, when it gets to my spine and major organs, but my vitamin D levels are pretty good. So, you know, I just didn't notice anything different. I'm not telling everybody to take their stuff and throw it in the trash. I'm just saying what I did with myself. That was a couple of years ago. I just got tired of all. And I get it all for free. It's not like I pay for it. But then I look and I think, God, if people had to pay for this shit and there isn't much of a difference or I didn't notice a difference, I have a hard time telling people, okay, take this, 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 this. Here's your list of good things. You typically what I do is when they come to me and they tell me what they're taking, a lot of times people, when they come to us, do have a pretty good idea and they're taking pretty good shit. Like they're, they've done a little bit of research. They've done their due diligence. They take, now there are other times where they're just taking 40 things and they don't need it. And it might be overkill, but rarely do I see something where I say, you know what, that's, these are just a waste. Don't bother with these. If they have a good protocol and they're used to, and they're comfortable taking those things, I typically tell them, I see no issues with the supplements that you're using. If you feel that they're beneficial, continue to use them. Okay. And that's where I am a lot, a lot of times on things like that. Oh, yeah, what about I the, like, two cabinets? I had two full cabinets for years and I just threw them away. I didn't use the stuff. What were you saying about that? Like, well, I was first going to say, like, during prep, like, you better believe I'm taking my six of these and my three of those, or, you know, like, yeah. especially when you get towards the end there when you're like, oh, man, I feel my liver's like falling out the side. You know? <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. But, um, the other thing I was going to say, like, so when you're looking at, say, like, client's blood work and, like, you know, you see, like, their RDW's off or MCH is off, and you're like, okay, so this probably means that they have, like, a B12 or a folate deficiency. Would you recommend them to take that, or would you just say... Oh, when, when something oh. jumps out like that completely. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. So at, yeah. Okay, I got you. Got you. Yeah, I just didn't know I if you were saying, like, I don't believe the supplements do anything, or if no, you were no, saying, no. like, if there's a specific issue, let's go and try to fix it. And you're saying yeah, the latter. No, yeah, definitely. Okay. And true nutrition, I'm glad that you clarified because Dante would not appreciate me having that stance even if I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah all supplements. Over the years, I've got the majority <laughs> of my supplement knowledge in terms of the health aspect of this thing from Dante's posts and from, you know, his Instagram right. and just being like, hey, what do you think of this? And he'll be like, he'll send you back three studies that he's already read from like two years ago. And I think Andrew makes a good point of, you know, because I've I've been asked that a couple times lately, like what multivitamin, what's a good multivitamin? And in the reality of it, it's like multivitamin is going to give you like a little sprinkle of everything. But if you were to say have a low vitamin D level, the vitamin D you're getting from that isn't going to fix it, you know? So it's like, I agree. I I feel like Target and Skip, you mentioned D. that's one I think probably you're you're a rarity then you know that yeah. you have such good D levels because yeah. I, and don't make a dick joke I'm not trying to set you up for that Skip I know it's in there somewhere 
vitamin D, but uh, oh, okay, I didn't know where you were going. I'm like, I was just waiting. I know you, and I was like, oh, he's gonna okay, say okay. something dick related here eventually. <laughs> if I say, you know, skipping the D, you know, enough times, but uh, D gets low. Like we get we get depleted as you know anabolic users, even guys on TRT. It's something that it gets quickly depleted for us. Mine mine gets in the tank. I've told the story before that I thought my thyroid was low post contest it also i'd been you know prepping for from february through november and after the show i just didn't feel good and i'm like passing out and stuff i've told the show the story on this show and the i thought it was like thyroid or something thyroid is fine it took a long time eventually i found out d was it and the second i took it like that same day i felt energized so I know Scott Stevenson said that he had wondered if it was also related. His D levels went low while prepping. Um, so there are those things. So I'm a big fan of, yeah, if you need something, it's there to yeah. take. But, yeah, that's not like we should all take, you know, obviously Skip doesn't need to take case, vitamin D. But in your case, let's just be clear, you weren't getting enough D. So when you got more D, then you were back to your to, Okay. Yes, yeah, Skip. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. Skip. Just, just making sure I understand and everybody else understands. That's all. God. I just had to let you know I was setting you up. That's what it came down to. Fair enough. Um, all right. I think that's all we got. But I did. I did want to talk guns. We got to. We got to like. Guns. We got to talk some guns. That's like the thing we do now. I think. Pew pew. So, I'm still fascinated by this idea, Andrew. S2H taught us how to shoot someone through a windshield. Okay. The, the bullet actually. I might have missed, missed that. Is I, just, the, I, I gave you the, the deflection of the bullet through the windshield. Yeah, yeah. Teach us something at a, else. At a, at a particular angle, like yeah, it goes off a thirty degree angle or that kind of thing. Is that what? You're yeah, saying? exactly. No, you got to like the front front windshield. If you're shooting out, it's going to go up. If you're shooting in a front you windshield, it's going to go down. But there's a there's a there's an angle of attack. You know what your angle is, your point of aim, and all that can vary. But in, just in general, if you shoot out of a front windshield it's going to go up the round's going to go up if you shoot in it's going to go down it's going to vary if it's a european vehicle like a bmw so, or something you're going to get more deflection so teach us something else about guns scott we want to learn know. i don't know we i wouldn't be asking if i knew if i knew then i wouldn't you, have to ask are you, you. A, are you a firearm owner scott mcnally i am yes yes i'm working on getting um, my can my carry concealed weapons permit Detroit's very slow. We don't have like a really good uh, public service system here, so I literally have a uh, an appointment in September. So that's why you come here and get yeah. a non-resident license. I'm thinking about it. Go down and shoot some guns with you for a weekend. Yeah. Get my license. Teach us something. What do you What do you got for us? What's on um, the? I saw you shooting silencers. Suppressor, yeah. Oh. Uh, don't shoot the steel target that's eight feet to my left. While I'm standing down there. What happened? See this right here. You're shitting me. Spall. You got ricochet, huh? It's spall, yeah. Jacket spall. What does that mean? Somebody, somebody, somebody put round down, down range while you were standing eight, like feet eight, feet, eight to ten feet to the left of me. I was, I was stapling the target up. You're kidding? Oh my god! I got it in the back of my head. It's not the first. I mean, it's the first time I've had somebody do that that close to me. But I mean, I've gotten spalled before. That did you like what was his response to that yeah no shit right oh that's I, what I, I, I i'm a pretty i'm pretty calm well, you got a yeah well that's just no, like, it, was, it was a hurt 101 
Oh, it was uh, her. It, okay. it was. It was. It was. It's a, at a private place, and the person shouldn't even been there. So, hmm. you know, yeah. But I don't know. Um, what do you want to know? I don't know. Teach us. Green something. tips. Okay, I'll, I'll give you one because we had this debate. Or not a debate, but somebody asked me this the other day about green tips. Green tips are awful for shooting people with. What's a green tip? It's an M855. It's uh, the round the Army used, Marine Corps used up until they came out with the 855A1. Or they actually had one around between that, but it's a it's a steel core penetrating round. A lot of people say it's armor piercing. It's technically not. It, it'll pierce like very thin steel, like car doors and stuff, or oh. soft armor. But they're not good for shooting people because they don't they don't have any expansion. People talk about rounds going through and through, like through somebody and coming out. The green tips one of the more rounds more notorious for that. So people carry them thinking they're great defense rounds, and they're really not. You know. Uh, anecdotally seeing people get hit with like 10 12 of them and they just they just don't they're not they're not they're, i mean unless you're shooting through vehicles or doing something you need to penetrate you know like very light armor you know steel walls maybe um you know like uh drywall that kind of stuff but they're just not good rounds a lot of people carry them and think they're really good and they're not what's this mean what? billy ryan had a question for us does S2H know the percentage of dumbasses that messed their thumb up the first time handling a firearm by the slide? Yeah, so slide bite. Yeah, I'd say, um, yeah, it's pretty prevalent. I saw a guy about two months ago, slide cuts. So what they do is they when they build their grip, they put their, their weak side thumb behind on their hand here. Can you see my hands? Yeah. Like back here. You know, so like, like some people will shoot a revolver like that, so the... The weak side thumb, I'm right-handed, is behind the slide on top of their strong hand right here. I saw a guy. Oh, yeah. The slide came back, cut him all the way to the bone, and cut the tendon in his thumb. You're kidding. No, he's really stuck. Yeah, because I had to fix him up. You're kidding. That's but, nuts. Yeah, it's, it's, I, think it's, I think it's pretty common with two types of people. One that's just never shot, and the people they're shooting with are, don't pay attention and don't know any better. So sometimes people do that. Or you're really like old timers that shoot just shot wheel guns, you know, revolvers back in the day. Because that was a grip that's used by some, you know, six shooter revolver shooters. Huh. And so it's usually like some really old dude or like just somebody who's totally new, you know. But once you get bit once, you kind of learn your lesson. Oh, yeah. oh, we got it. We we're literally getting gun questions now. We can't yeah, do a bunch prevalent. of. We can't do a bunch of gun stuff, but I'll take one more from Ryan Charles. Would S2H recommend an M&P shield or a Glock 43 for a female EDC? Okay, I'm a Glock guy, but I don't particularly care for the 43X for me because I got pretty big hands. And it's a slim fit gun. It's a little it's a little snappy, too. I mean, I, I, main thing is the gun fits her hand. That means her fingernails when she grips the pistol grip. When you turn the gun in, you can see your fingernails on that side of the of the pistol grip, so your fingers get all the way around the pistol grip, so you can get a full grip. Um, to be honest with you, if I had to choose between the two, I might. Eat, I'm not a, 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 a Smith and Wesson guy, really, but the shield's not a bad shooting gun. The only bad part is it's not the easiest gun to rack. It's got a pretty stiff slide, mm. so you know if you got if she's got pretty good strength and you can demonstrate show her how to you know get leverage, push, pull on it, it's not a big deal. Um, I'm not a SIG guy, but I think the 365 is better than both of them. Okay. For the way it shoots, it has a tungsten guide rod in it, so it's a little heavier in the front for a small gun. 
Uh, it depends how big she is and how she wants to carry. If she wants to carry on her person, you know, on her body, the the shield's quite a bit bigger than the 43X. I actually like the 43 if you put the Vickers or any of the Terran Tactical two or three round extensions on it so you can get a full grip on the pistol grip. I think the 43 is a better shooting gun than the 43X. It's or crazy. the 48. You can go with the 48 too. It's a better gun than the 43X. It's got a half inch longer barrel. Skip, I think we're getting we're getting more people asking questions now than they did earlier in the show. We got a question, Skip, though, last week uh, uh, on the YouTube. What was the name of that um, that buffet you went to? Oh, the, the circle. The one that cost $1,000. It was called what? The, the circle at the Breakers. At the Breakers, huh. In Palm Beach, yeah. What do you uh, what do you got going on? What's going on with your training? Anything you want to tell us about? Yeah, I just um, <laughs> I don't do this very often, but I just took four days off, threw my hands up. You know that meme where it's like fuck this shit, and then they bend over and they pick up the papers and going, oh, I'm just kidding. I didn't do the I'm kidding part. It's just been a chaotic, out of control week. I had to get money to my son because he's buying a car in Colorado. I'm anxious about it because it's 20. I don't want him to get ripped off. There was just a lot of shit. I'm, I'm so busy right now that when there's nothing else going on, everything fits perfectly. And then when something small, like my daughter comes into town with her husband uh, to visit, things just get thrown. I, I have to... Um, I got to revamp my system here. I got to get more. My structure was falling apart the last couple of weeks, and it just kind of came to a head this week. And part of it was I was whining and complaining about little aches and pains. So I just I did what I don't normally do, and I was like, ah, fuck it, I'm out of here. <laughs> and took the last four days off, and haven't haven't other than my client work and and bodybuilding stuff that you know I'm obligated to. I haven't done anything with my training, my diet, nothing. I just been rolling along for the last four days. I'm back at it tomorrow, but the point is, is I I knew I needed to change some shit around. It become became chaotic, and I shelved it. You'll probably feel a lot better too, having had a few days off. You know, it's funny that you would think that. And I told my wife, I laughed and said, "I am now more anxious out of my routine and fucked around, not being in the gym, than where I thought it would be this little bit of a break where I could kind of gather my thoughts, get my system down, and now I'm going to be sitting here tonight." getting everything ready for the week so that I can make it. I need a couple more hours prior to getting, I don't have my system down. I haven't been, you know, we haven't been up here very long in West Palm and with me having to commute now to train clients because I've only been training clients for like the last six months. And now that I'm so busy with both, I'm really kind of at my limit. And when you do that, you have to make sure that everything is structured and tight the way it's supposed to be and leave a little bit of room, which I haven't, for something to come up. So yeah. when something comes up, it fucks everything. And then I get mad because it doesn't have anything to do with me. It has to do with something else. But I have still have those obligations and responsibilities. You know, if my kids need something or I have to do something and, and I'm not able to do it because I don't have that time set aside to be able to do it. It's my own fault and I own it. I just, I have to come up with, a, I have to change my, my system around, my schedule around just a little bit. And that's what I'm going to do as of tomorrow. Andrew. And it'll be fine. What's going on, Andrew, with our uh, our favorite guy in the NPC, Nate Spear? Um, he's, I mean, you've seen his pictures. He's two seventy five <laughs> and still full blown. And no, yeah. uh, we just uh, we talked yesterday. We're pulling him back a little bit for uh, a little bit of while. I think we got everything we can out of you know post show pushing it, and and now we're really focusing on his health. And I pulled his training back to three days, kind of like what I was talking about earlier about what I do with somebody. Um, 
you know, pulled his training back three days a week for at least the next two weeks. Um, cause he, I think you guys probably saw he was getting really strong. He was, he was hitting that 405. Oh, there he is. <laughs> 405 on the, uh, incline presses for like eight to 10 reps. And it's like, I text him like, dude, like you're an animal now. Like, yeah. remember when like 315 for eight to 10, you were like, holy shit, I just did three. I'm like, you just did 90 to 100 pounds more than that, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think we both agreed that, uh, and I was kind of waiting for him to give me the signal that he was like, okay, you know, and, and I think that's kind of where we're at, that, uh, it's time to, you know, to get the health going again and just really, uh, pull things back a little bit and, and, uh, you know, kind of circle the wagons and get ready for the next big one in a couple of weeks here, a couple months here. So that's cool. Yeah. yeah I've seen his videos, yeah. man. He's looking so strong right now, like ridiculously strong. Yeah he's got that thickness and roundness that is just out of this world now. And, you know, everyone always used to say back, you know, when we first started like, Oh, he's, he's a conditioning and a, and a density guy, you know? And like what you've seen over his evolution though, is now people are saying like, Oh, he's a, he's a shape and a structure guy. Hmm. And it's like, nah, he just built that. Like he built his shoulders out and he built that V taper and yeah, yeah. rolling quads and all that. So, but yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, expect more good things this year. You know, he's been knocking on the door, yeah. two and a half three years i now. think we all do <laughs> we yeah. all expect you know, yeah. yeah yeah you know it's just and that makes it hard on him because i think then the expectations that can become stressful too and i i get it i understand that but we're all such big fans because not only of his physique but he's just a good dude he's he's got humility he's grounded and you just want to see people like that do well and to see yeah. him so close he's knocking on the door they're barely opening it and they're opening it up like this going nope not yet <laughs> you're close but not yet Oop, closing it back yeah. so. <laughs> he'll get it he'll get it yeah oh yeah it's yeah and when he does it'll be sweeter what do you got going on with yeah. your own training andrew um i'm really hitting legs hard right now because i'm dealing with the lat issue um i had something i've some crushed uh, nerves in my spine right now and uh i've seen a physical therapist but anyway it's leading to my right lat um, really atrophying and i noticed it through my through all my own prep last year and it was just getting worse and worse and it actually had a major deficiency in strength on the side where you know we're down in south carolina for junior usas with a buddy and i hadn't noticed anything yet but i start incline pressing and 80s going up 90s we get to 110s and like this arm goes straight up and this one goes like that mm. like right out to the side and my buddy's like oh my god did you just tear your pack and i'm like no, my pec feels fine. Like, and then I grab another dumbbell and I couldn't even like press it. And then I started noticing I was having deficiencies in strength with rowing or if I got, if I was doing a side lateral and I got my arm up to almost here, um, I would drop the dumbbell. So I was losing grip strength. Oh, shit. Uh, oh Yeah. So, and I, I talked to a couple of physical therapists, chiropractors, everything. And, and we think, cause I flew so much this year, I went to so many shows and, and my fiance, Rachel, she, she competed in six shows, mostly down in Florida. So, uh, we flew a lot. The inflammation from the pressure change when you're in an airplane, they think really is what caused this. No and, kidding. Uh, yeah. Uh, because it, it was fine up until I started taking multiple flights every, you know, two, three times a month. Um, cause I traveled to all the big shows this year. Um, we did six shows for her. Um, so yeah, like, and I mean, there was some days where I was in some brutal pain in my right, like Terry's almost to like my medial trap area, just like shooting pain where like I couldn't sit still. I'd be looking at clients in the hotel and like, I'd be fidgeting and they'd be like, are you on something? I'm like, no, I'm just in crazy pain right now. 
So yeah, that. Um, but the pain part went away, and now it's just been trying to um, get my thoracic spine to move more, so that I guess the nerves can innervate and and or the nerves that are innervated there can fire more efficiently. Um, and I actually have seen like some some movement or some some changes in strength, like even just like my dumbbell presses went up like a good deal um, in the last three weeks since I've really been working intensely with this uh, physical therapist. And, and that's the other thing, like people like, you know, and, and anyone that trains people in person when they, they're like, Hey, how's your physical therapy going? They're like, Oh, it doesn't do anything. It's like, well, your, your PT said to do this exercise three times a day, you know, for two weeks until they tell you again, like how many times do you do it? And they're like, Oh, I think I did it like twice. It's like, yeah. Then you can't say it didn't work. So when someone right. who I'm paying tells me to do something, same thing with coaching. Like if someone tells me to do something and that's your path to wellness, I'm going to give it 110% and do those yeah. exercises daily. And so I, and I've seen that pay off. So, uh, so that's kind of work. You haven't any grass yep, work done. Yep. Uh, she does that, that stuff on me. Um, yep. I actually do it on myself. Uh, it, you know, the Gua Shaw, I think is what it's called. Have you heard that? That's what I <laughs> it, 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 it's like it's the same idea it's scraping okay. um you can you can use a butter knife and some lotion basically and you don't oh, pay okay. 150 bucks an hour for someone yeah. to do it for you exactly <laughs> exactly but uh but yeah i think it's all the same thing just getting through those adhesions and all that stuff so yeah i'm doing that i'm doing the dry needling i'm doing um these therapy exercises every day at the gym and at home and stuff but cool. but yeah so uh, yeah that's where i'm at but i'm, I'm making a lot of progress in my legs because i'm trying i'm kind of I usually typically do legs once a week and I like just empty the tank on once, but I've actually divided them up and doing a more of a quad focus on a Sunday and more of a hamstring focus on a Wednesday or a, or a Thursday. And uh, I've nice. seen a lot of progress there, both in strength and just, I'm actually like, I'm looking at my legs. I'm like, wow, I think they're growing again. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at having fun cool. too, you know? That's cool. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Uh, appreciate everybody who's hanging out with us uh, here on the live feed and, uh, you know, for everybody at YouTube, we appreciate you guys watching. Do us a favor if you enjoyed this and, you know, hit the like. Uh, you probably already have subscribed if you've watched all, you know, hour and 50 minutes of the podcast. So I don't have to go over that again. Comments help. We appreciate all that stuff. And, uh, Andrew, thanks for uh, joining us, man. We've been, it's been cool. Yeah, have a coming, dude. Yeah, a lot of fun with you guys. Absolutely. Very cool. Check out our sponsor, truenutrition.com. Use our code advices for some savings. Plus, it helps to support our programming. And check out the Patreon. I'll have links to all that stuff down below. And uh, we'll have uh, Andrew's social media as well as Skip. We won't have S2H because he's like in the shadows. He's doing some weird covert gun shit. We can't. We're not allowed <laughs> to know what's going on with him. Andrew, is there anywhere else that people should reach out to you or is social media the best place? Yeah, social media is the best place, probably just my Instagram. Um, but yeah. All right, cool. Well, we'll have all that down below. Uh, once again, guys, blood, sweat, and gear. I think this is like episode 102 ish, maybe? 103? Three. Yeah, 103. Three, yeah. Damn. All right. We'll see you guys. Cool. Thanks, guys.